This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a horror movie podcast where we look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm your host, the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And today, uh, we are going to be talking about the 2014 film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yes, in uh, 2014's uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, not the... (laughs) 1970s uh, horror film, The Town of the Dreaded Sundown, although very tangential. Yeah, this is a meta kind of sequel to that film, so it's really interesting. Um, This is a Blumhouse release um, where he produced it along with Ryan Murphy. Uh, I, I really, really like this movie, like a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. It's uh, it, like you say meta, and I and by, by that we mean very meta uh, about this. So I think I think like the probably the most interesting thing about this movie is its plot, where or at least its setup, where we have basically the town that takes place. It's a tangential sort of spiritual sequel to the town that dreaded sundown, in which the events that happened in the town that dreaded sundown were based on real events. And the movie exists, the movie from the 70s exists, and the town that those events happened in, like, have a yearly, like, celebration of that movie and of those events, of those murders that have happened. And they have, like, this sort of, like, weird, like, Town the Dreaded Sundown Day, and all of these, like, they dress up and... It's a weird, like, sort of, like, not not cultish, but it's just a weird town tradition that they have. And lo and behold, uh, a killer 65 years after the mass serial killer was uh, was slain, they've uh, they have a resurgence of the Phantom Killer from the original uh, film and from the town. Uh, it's weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a strange way to go with it and I remember when I first heard about this I, w- I was thinking to myself I don't know if this is gonna work man like it sounds very convoluted it, it does sound convoluted but it it works really really well um because yeah it's based on the uh Texarkana murders of uh in 1946 and then yeah they made a movie in 76 which, and were, now, which were actual which were actual events yes which were actual events and then the movie got made in 76 and then every Halloween, they just keep showing this movie, uh, and the whole town gets together. And then there's like the preacher, uh, which is played by Edward Herman in one of his final roles, uh, is like telling everyone they're going to burn in hell for, uh, you know, watching this this trash as he calls it. Um, it yeah, it's 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 a great opening shot. Like there's something about this this opening shot of the film. Um, 
I mean, you get the you get the history in the beginning with that voiceover narration with with the film and some of the events and and stuff going on there, and I thought that was cool. Uh, but that opening crane shot uh, that comes down through the the crowd of people um, who are who are watching this film, and you're going through and you're kind of meeting characters as you're going through it. And then how it just moves all the way and then kind of curves back up and then goes back into a crane shot. That was... It's very elaborate, very it, ambitious. Oh, it's so ambitious. And it looks so good. The color palette of this movie is absolutely gorgeous. And and there's, there's so many things to love about this film. The one thing that I... I don't know if I can say... I, I will say it is very thin plot-wise... It's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry. It's like this guy is doing a copycat thing. All right, so we're going to see clips of the film mixed in with clips of these deaths. The main thing to get out of this movie is just the look and the feel. Right. Could be because the tone, it's not exactly cuz the setup it kind of sounds like Scream or something where it's it's a very again meta commentary on horror films, but still maintaining a horror film with a lot of those tropes that we see and are recognizable throughout that because it's like oh this killer seemingly can always strike when kids are about to have sex right uh, and that's kind of a recurring theme for this one. Well, in this one, it's but, like we we meet a character, they die. We meet a character, they die. We meet a character, they die. Um, it, it happens a lot. It's not in your typical fashion where, you know, it's either a group of kids or a group of, of teenagers, college kids, whatever, or adults who all have something in common really. And they start getting killed off. The only, the only common thread in this is that they all go to the same town or all live in the same town. Yeah. It's uh, like, and I, I think that I, I agree with you with the, on the cinematography here because it's a, very it's a very ambitiously look it's an ambitious looking movie for the type of scale that it sets and i i think they kind of they sometimes try too hard because the editing makes it a bit odd with what they're attempting to pull off uh because i i would recall like a like an interesting dutch angle for an establishing shot and then they go into this like you know a very good like coverage sort of thing and there's a there's an interesting pull away and th- like and it ends on an establishing shot that's also in a dutch angle but then it goes for like way too short of a time and then it transitions to just another crazy ambitious establishing shot of another thing and it goes into a completely like there's no i i don't want to say that there isn't any like real visual consistency but it's very visually wild with how good it looks. They've, they, it's like they've had good shot ideas planned out, but they didn't really think how it might all look together. Yeah. Um, and that's, that might be my only real, you know, other than the, the story, I think kind of maybe plays into that a bit because I, I just don't think it's as, I don't think it's as strong as it, as it potentially could be. But then again, we're talking about a movie that's an hour and 22 minutes and it looks like if it were a longer movie at some point that they just trimmed all the fat off of it and just said, cool, let's just get straight to the point and make this really intense artistic slasher film. Yeah, I have a, it's interesting. The plot for this movie is fine. Um, 
I feel I got, I got a problem with uh, the main character, the main actress uh, of this movie. Uh, well, it's like I feel like the character is written very blandly. It it doesn't like this character doesn't really stand out to be anything other than like oh yeah my parents were murdered and I was like it, everything seemingly monotone as she is investigating this like murder mystery essentially it's a it's a murder mystery in a weird way but she, she doesn't seem to have any sort of uh, I I got no real gumption from this like she was robbed of any agency near the finale which we'll get to in a moment but it was. It, I feel like everything that was happening around her was a bit more animated than actually this character. Uh, because we have... A, the, the cast is amazing. The the amounts of stunt casting here are actually kind of incredible. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I, I see it as more of a center and it centered... Uh, and eccentrics, you know, that's like you have like your main person and then you have your eccentrics, everybody around this like central character. Um. And I kind of see that kind of playing into it as well, because the world does not have a normal feel, mainly due to uh, the lighting and the, and the cinematography and everything that, that plays into it that way. And these in these crazy Dutch angles, and they do that a lot. Um, so it kind of makes it feel like this really isn't a normal place, like something something about this place is off the entire time. And I think that's why I'm drawn to this film more than I am to something that. I see takes place in a very realistic very Americana type of count. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of shots that, you know, it cuts to when you see the Texas side and the Arkansas side, um, when they're having their, their meetings and stuff. Uh, and, and you see them kind of talking at these like town halls or whatever. And it just does these cuts to see like the the police on one side and the and the like the police on the other or the troopers on one side and the troopers on the other and you're like oh wow okay it's these cool little intercut shots that almost have like a Wes Anderson look to them and the in their style of editing um it just looked like there were so many pieces going on in so many different styles that came together for this film yeah, and I, I feel like for the most part it seems to work on a on a basic level, uh, but I think they again and the movie's stylish. It's it, it's very fun with how style stylistic it is. Um, like there's a very interesting visual cue that you get to see with like whenever the killer's about to show up, like the frame is drenched in red. The color palette just like is drenched in red and like it's juxtaposed with blue with any victim. Uh, that's a really really cool little thing that's done there uh i like that a lot but also i feel like sometimes it, it, it almost feels hyper uh and th this is again it's more editing wise because we see like a character try to get ready for like leaving a place and it would be like you would see the character decide to leave and then like literally half a second of him grabbing the keys and cut to the woods and like they're just there. I'm like, what? That's that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I I I get where you're coming from there, but I also think it dealt with uh, pacing of trying to just make the movie get to where they wanted it to get to. Um, uh, yeah, but at a, at a slim hour and twenty minutes, like it could luxuriate in a few things. It it could, yeah. Uh, that's, but I think. I mean, I don't know if it was written that way or or how much they decided to take out of it. Um, 
But yeah, we'll get into the plot just a little bit. Uh, this this is one of those films that I don't really want to spoil, though. I, I, think I, that, I think that's fair. I think with this, and it's weird because there'll, there'll probably be people who are like, what do you mean? Out of all films, like, you're just not Why spoiling not this spoil one? Why not spoil this one? Um, it's too pretty of a film, man. Like, it's honestly, too pretty of a film. It's too pretty of a film. Like, it's a good looking film. Like, it just when I when I talk to um, when I talk to my friends about, uh, you know, filmmaking and, and cinematography and what stuff I find really inspiring, like the cinematography in this film, I find extremely inspiring. Uh, I, I, th- I think that the yes, it, it, again, I, I think ambition is kind of the right word here because they very they clearly had they got. Uh, they got hold of a lot of people with a lot of good talent and a good eye for cinema here. But I just I feel like some there are some hiccups in here. But I really kind of want to talk about the cast real quick, quick if you don't mind, because almost at every term I was like, oh my god, it's so and so. I laughed my ass off as the second that Anthony Anderson showed up. Just I know I'm so it, it's happy. so I'm it's so, so random, right? Him. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't well it it's random and then he also just kills it in the role. Well, He's it's actually just, so magnificent. So, Oh no, he's he's absolutely great in it. But Anthony Anderson, I always think comedies, right? And it's it's a basic thing you think with most comedians. You're like when you see him in a dramatic type thing or a horror thing, you're like, oh okay. And in this type of role, yeah, he was a blast. He was he, he was very stoic. He's very like about his job, uh, like take no nonsense type of thing. Really, really cool. He was awesome. And what did he want to go by? What was the name? He, he Lone Wolf. He wanted to go by Lone, Lone Wolf. Wolf. I yeah, think he's very like, highly of myself, and I've earned it. I'm like, damn, all right, man, you go. That was... Okay, Anthony. That was awesome. I was just like, this guy, this guy is great. And then, uh, yeah, you got the Gary... legendary Gary Cole. Gary Cole. Um, <laughs> in a very uh, interesting role for him. Gary Cole going to Gary Cole, as, as we all yeah, say. Yeah, that's but what I mean. It, it's, it is like, it's a very Gary Cole role. Yes, um, it's, a, it's a Cole role. Yeah, it's a Cole uh, role. <laughs> We, we also have the great uh, Edward Herman as the Reverend uh, before his untimely passing. I just love seeing him in things. I'm just glad that he's in stuff. He's, he's, always, he's always a great uh, presence to see. Uh, and then we have our, um, our, uh, our main squeeze uh, for uh, Jamie, uh, Travis Toop, uh, which I think he kind of played an interesting like type of like love foil here, like where he's like, He's not really like the plucky one. He's just kind of the guy that's kind of fascinated with what our main character is doing and kind of along for the ride. It's interesting uh, where he like you think of him as either like the comic relief or somebody that has uh, a bit more gumption. But he's very much the one that is just like, OK, he's smitten with the main character, so he'll just tag along. Right. Oh, man. Oh, maybe we will talk spoilers now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, we got to go into some stuff. Well, you got to decide now. You know what? We're going to spoil it because there, there's too much to to talk about. I mean, otherwise, it'll just be me saying it's a very pretty movie. Um, and I mean, we could. I mean, we could just kind of talk about like, you know, how great Anthony Anderson is for another 20 minutes, which I'm fine with, which which he, he is great. Um, but let's get into uh, some of the technicals real quick. Uh, this is directed by Alfonso Gomez uh, Rejan. Uh, I hope I'm saying these names right. I'm probably butchering them, so please forgive me. Uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Uh, he wrote it. And we had cinematography by Michael Goy and edited by Joe Leonard. Um, 
And then Blumhouse ended up producing this along with Ryan Murphy Productions, and it was distributed by Orion Pictures. Orion Pictures. This is huge, man. They had been dormant for so long, and I think it was they were brought out of retirement for this movie, which unfortunately did not do anything <laughs> in theaters because it kind of... I don't really know what happened with it. It it got some pretty good, it it got some good uh, press about it, uh, but for some reason, I think it just went video on demand in uh, maybe a, a few select theaters, and that's really disappointing because this movie could have made money, and I don't think it did. I don't think it made enough on video on demand because I've talked to a lot of people about this, and they're like, "No, I haven't seen it," or "Oh." I think I've heard of that movie. I don't really know. I just saw a poster or something somewhere. And I'm like, no, oh, that's so disappointing. You guys need to see this movie. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. You've you've mentioned this before, even before we started recording this podcast, that the, the one of the tragedies about horror movies is that a lot of the good ones can be buried. And even some of the bad ones get way too much play. Oh, a lot of bad ones get a ton of play all the time they go into theaters and they make a killing but they're not what i would watch it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't and it doesn't make them bad it, it does not make them bad it makes no. them for a more accepting crowd i guess well because the thing is it's like when we think of horror movies a lot of people a lot of typical moviegoers think of one certain thing or one certain thing that a genre film needs to be and a lot of a lot of the movies that challenge those things end up being the really more well acclaimed horror movies that tep that typically don't get to get that much play either in be it in theaters or on demand or whatever. Uh, thankfully, due to the internet and the age that we live in now, uh, that window is a lot wider. But again, we don't get to see that much of play from a lot of blockbustery types of horror films recently because you expect a certain thing from that. Like, I feel like A Town the Dreaded Sundown, like, I could see this playing to, like, maybe the, the like, the summer previews of something uh, for, you know, teens or whatever. But, like, I, could, I, I also don't know its marketability from a, like, a modern, like, you know, that's, that's casual the tough type part. of thing. Yeah, because and it if is. This were, and if this were the late 90s, if this were post-Scream... Oh, this could easily, like, play in a post-Scream, like, 90s, early 2000s type of landscape. Dude, this would have made a killing. This would have made... It would have been a movie that I think this only cost about... If it's Blumhouse, it's probably about $5 million. I think that's usually what the top stuff he ends up giving movies when, to start them out. Um, so let's say $5 million. This movie would have pulled in, like, 50 to $60 million. And it would, I think, I think in the U.S. it would have pulled, yeah, total it would have pulled in fifty or sixty million in its, in its U.S. domestic or in its domestic gross, yeah, over, I mean, over the a, course a, of its a run. A generous number for sure, but unfortunately, this came out in twenty fourteen to yeah. very little acclaim. Yeah, that's, that is that's just so disappointing. Um, anyway, so yeah, we we started this film, um, where our main character, uh. Jamie, who's played by Addison Timlin, uh, is is going with uh, her boyfriend, I guess, or you know whoever this guy uh, Corey, 
And they go off to this secluded place. They start making out. She ends up seeing uh, the killer from the movie uh, who wears the, you know, the sack over his head. And, you know, she freaks out and he's like, all right, let's just let's just go. And the guy, you know, breaks the window, attacks them, makes him get out of the car and then makes her turn away and he's going to like kill him. And it's a very tense moment. And it's very, I like how it's just drenched in that red, like very heavily saturated. Um, it, it has such a cool look to it. And then, you know, there's a lot of interesting shots that build up to all of this, uh, where you see, you know, her, the front of her face, but like the, the murder happening behind her. So her boyfriend gets, you know, stabbed a ton of times and she ends up running away, but gets attacked and then you know he attacks her and says this is for mary make them remember and then she stumbles through to the movie the reel ends up getting messed up and people are like oh and they put on a new reel but she's stumbling through uh out of of the woods and stuff or out of the field uh and ends up kind of like falling underneath the screen and it's a cool, you know, it's a really cool moment. You're like, holy shit, and everyone's... Yeah, it's a, it's a banger her. of an opening, by the way. Yeah. This is like the cold open before we even get a title card. It's very, right. very it, cool. It's a great open. Like, it's a really cool scene. Um, and then we end up getting to... It's about a month later, so it's just before Thanksgiving, I think. Um, and... Oh, man. People just start getting killed right away. Yeah, it's it, like, and th it, the movie starts with a shot and uh, that like keeps going. It has very good momentum until about the halfway point, and we're kind of stuck in like, okay, detective work, pretty much, which you might say, which seems pretty much by the numbers. It's a very, uh, uh, it's a very basic type of idea, um, but moving like moving into the kind of the meat and potatoes of what makes the movie uh, work so well is the it's the it's the use of its meta commentary with the aspect of the film and making that a plot point throughout the entire movie like we interview this the director's son who directed the movie beforehand and we're like oh maybe we want to make a sequel to clear up this this family's name and like we got to get into all the, all the history of the actual murders that happened which you know may or may not be true but it's a fun sort of touch that they yeah. add to it. Uh, yeah, that, that little investigative scene, I, that that kind of saves the plot a bit for me, but at the same time, it feels like it's treading on familiar ground. Stuff that we've seen time and time again, um, which, you know, it, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. I think all in all, this movie works. I just think that the plot is is just a little thin. Um, but, you know, we, we get we get some interesting moments, but then we get these like these just random kills that just happen. It's, it's set piece kill. Some, more... and some sometimes feel very uh, like out of place. Almost. Yeah. They like, Oh, some we're them, just seeing somebody get killed. Some of them feel disjointed. So I think the first big murder we have, um, it's this Marine who's getting back to see his girlfriend. And, you know, they're off having sex and then she wants, um, like some whatever to something, something to eat or a soda or something. 
And so he's going to go get her something uh, from the vending machine. And she's going to propose to him. So you get a little bit of a, th- of a thing there. We have, a, you're like, we have oh. a, very, very fu- a very fun touch that's called back to almost immediately where it's just like, knock when you come back so that I know it's you. Yeah, yeah. Knock when you come back so I know it's you. And then you have the ring. And then you're like, okay, well, there, there's a little bit of a buildup for character stuff. And then immediately... Uh, she sees something at the window and she you know, walks a little closer. But before this, the boyfriend, as he walks out, he has the red that he's walking through with that blue hue behind it um, of, the, of both of those lights coming across. Oh, looked amazing. And then as she goes up to it, uh, boyfriend's head goes right to the glass and then right through the window. And, oh, dude, she jumps out of that window to try and get away. And that... Oh, that bone break is, it's very visceral. Uh, And then she just keeps moving, which that, that would, that sounds insane. If that were actually. And and here's the thing. That's kind of really our only actual shot of like gore or uh, some like brutal murdery stuff. Because we have like a couple of slit throats and and stuff like that. But that that seems like basic fare at this point. You know, this movie seems so much more, to me, seems way more brutal than than I guess it actually is. Like there's a lot of knife stabbing and I think it's the act of the knife stabbing that makes it seem like it's gorier than it it, is. It's the buildup of tension in between the kills that is actually uh, done quite well. Well, the uh, sound effect say. of the knife going in and out is ooh, it feels like a hot oh. knife. It sounds oh, like a hot yeah. knife. It's just sound. It's so it's so messy and so just ah, it just it, it it just sounds painful. You know, it sounds absolutely eviscerated. Each each stab sounds like it eviscerates the person. So when you hear it, you're like, well, they're dead. Um, and you get you know you get a bunch of interesting set pieces for you get that one. Um, that takes place at the motel. Uh, so then we get to the junkyard scene um, where two of these band members are going to hook up in a junkyard. And the production value of this, like the way everything looks and the production design is awesome. The signs in there, it's like a it's a sign junkyard basically is what this yeah. thing looks like. It's a uh, very interesting set. It's a great set. And then some of the words are spelt out on there. So it's a little... It's a little tongue-in-cheek a bit, a little bit, yeah, but at the same time, it's, I think it's pretty cool, like, you know, it's. Oh, no, it's a very cool set, and honestly, I had a, I kind of cracked up at the, like, at the awkwardness of the scene that was going down between the two boys that were just like, you want to, you want to do, do that? Are are you you turned on? Yeah, are you? It's literally just as, it's just as awkward I mean that yeah, it, it's just no, no, as awkward. It's, it's, a, it's a perfectly awkward like teenage like uh, like love scene or not like a love scene, but like that pre like pre sexual tension teenage tension it, that yeah, we've all been through. Yeah, it's, it's just really, as awkward really as you'd expect it to be, and it was more to me. This was more believable. Oh yeah, no, it <laughs> as, was actually great. It's a very good scene. Yeah, I th- I thought it was it, it was funny too. There was a lot of humor in it. And you're like, oh no, these guys are gonna die. Oh. Yeah, oh these poor guys. Yeah, and then right away, one of them, as he's he's like, oh shit, starts the car and tries to get away. The other dude's just like, well, peace, I'm out, and just jumps out of the car. Just get out of there, and, man. Just get out of there. And just I like starts he's running. He's encouraging him to get out, but he's not helping. No, he's not helping at all. And then just books it. He's just like, well, all right. 
um, and starts book- booking it through this kind of weird maze of, of signs, which are, is great. Um, you get a bunch of cool imagery in there. And I think it says something like phase two as he's like walking or running through. Um, and then you get a thing that says, I think, remember at, uh, up in one of the corners at the end or something like that. Yeah, um, it, it's chock full of like little like visual and it's, cues. It's just so cool. And then the death sequence after that, because he gets hit in the face and knocked out and then it cuts to and i thought it was going to cut to him the kid who got knocked out but it cuts to the guy who's in the car um tied up for the exact same trombone scene that has the trombone with the knife on the end of it which is blatantly absurd it's it's ridiculous but you know it was done in the in the 76th yeah, film and it's, so. and it's clearly an homage but like to the, anybody who hasn't seen this like but and they they mention it in like the actual movie because they show it off screen uh them doing that thing but it looks like he's just playing trombone but it, like he's he has a knife on the trombone uh which is just odd it, so, it's very it's very odd but you know in this one that death that death to me felt a little forced in, yeah, I mean, just to build up to the trombone thing. like. Well, and then when it happened, I, I didn't... I thought there was going to be, with the style of how they were doing stuff, I thought there would be a little more with the way they shot it to kind of make it seem more visceral um, than it was. But then, seeing what happened to the other kid, I mean, you don't really even see... You just see him crawling across where he's spelt out, you know, Phantom in the uh, in the letters and everything, and he's kind of crawling. It's a really cool-looking scene. Like, the production design on that is just really cool. Very colorful. The one thing about this film that I will mention as well is that um, the costume design is awesome because there's a lot of color and a lot of stuff that pops throughout. So it feels very bright and very alive the entire time. Um but speaking of, of not alive, the, the one kid who gets, uh, you know, he's all hacked up and you see he's been mutilated pretty bad. Then he just gets shot in the head and killed. So it's, it was, yeah, it's one of those moments where you're like, what the hell happened to him? Well, no, but he's dead now, so we're never really going to find out. Um, man, yeah, there are moments that are just very, very brutal in this movie. And that's the thing. You're, you're right. It's not as gory. I mean, there's a lot of blood that that goes, but it's mainly blood splatters and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's not as gory. I think there's there's just this brutality in this in this movie, like sheer sheer brutality. And actually, there is one major gore scene uh, when she ends up finding the body by the tracks. It's a very cool reveal, and it's very it's very messed up. And you kind of knew that was going to happen. You know, I got to say another thing is when we... Some of these church scenes and some of these uh, town hall scenes, the way that they are shot, having those massive close-ups on the, on the characters, I love that, man. It's so cool because you get this awesome foreground shot, and then they push back uh, into into the background shot, and you get the, and them to focus back there, and it's just like, holy crap, it just looks so awesome. And it gives you this extra feeling of dread and of paranoia, and who can trust who, and who is the killer, you know? Because, um, you know, it, in the beginning, you're like, who the hell could it be? And you kind of, as you're, actually, you don't really even know until the end when it's just this reveal, and you're like, wait, what? But it works. I mean, it all kind of, it makes sense that you know, this person would be the killer at the end of it. Yeah. I, I, you know, we've gone into a bit of spoiler stuff, but I don't, I don't really want to talk about the, the final reveal 
But yeah, there's I'll there's a couple I'll there's a this. couple of twists in it. Yeah, there are there are, and uh, I think those are nice and fun. Uh, but I will say uh, there is like a monologue or info dump near the end or at the end of this movie that I just found like really bad and like cringeworthy. I know which uh, I know exactly which one you're talking about. And um, it, I just like that felt really bad. And, and uh, then it, it and was, the more and more was, that I heard about it, I'm like, this is being read wrong. This is being written wrong. This is like this feels so not right. Are we are, are we talking about the same? Mon- are we talking about the the final monologue before the the headshot? Yeah, it's the voiceover that she does after the re- resolution has happened. Oh, it's her like, it's her voiceover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's yeah, the no. voiceover thing. It's not great. No, no, no. That so the so the wrap up resolution does feel way off. It is it is something about it doesn't feel right. And then we get that little like stinger at the end, you know, of oh, is is the phantom still following her type thing. Right, which we didn't really need to like I kind of hate that. I kind of really don't like that because it's it's a very just like it's an easy thing to just say or do for the like oh maybe a sequel uh, like it doesn't that doesn't communicate anything plot wise to me other than hey I we'd really like to make a sequel maybe I don't know that when it's that on the nose I don't understand it uh, so I think overall like to su- to sum up um, I think that the town of dreaded sundown is a very interesting movie and not often do we see this many these many meta horror movies that uh get on the nose references to its own source material while also including its own source material uh i think it's fun uh, i think i think it's uh i think the acting can be hit or miss uh with its stunt casting nails it of course i i'm not 100 percent on the main character still like she's just kind of eh. um but I, I think it's very much worth a watch. Uh, some shots will like legitimately surprise you. Like, oh, I didn't know that this was just like a gorgeous movie all of a sudden. Yeah, that's the one thing that that really shines through the entire time for me is it's just a very well shot film. It's it's very stylistic. I thoroughly enjoy this movie, and yeah, I do understand that you know, and and I've said a couple of times that there are there are. It is not a perfect story. The acting is not perfect, but it has its strengths way outweigh its faults, cinematography-wise and and um, lighting-wise, and you know, with color correction and everything. Like this movie, I would say for that alone, could be like a Criterion film one day. Wow, I mean that's a that's a bold move. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know too much about uh, cinematography, about the, man. It it's it's on point. Like if yeah, that I wouldn't film say the needs best. to I'd be. S- I'd say it's I'd say it's a cl- I'd say it's a cut above a lot of what's going on. Uh, I think it needs to be revisited as far as as its production design goes because there's a lot going on in this film that is absolutely amazing, and I think that people need to. Like this, this film needs to be taught in school. Like it just, it should be in film school, as part of like this is really a very well put together 
film as far as its its style and its and its cinematography and all of that. So, um, yeah, this is a huge recommend for me. Uh, you, you all need to see it. Hopefully, you've already seen it. You know how we are. Um, we always recommend you see it before you listen to the podcast. So, um, for next week. Yes, indeed. Next week, we are going to be looking at the 1988 classic Killer Clowns from Outer Space, directed by Stephen Chiudo, uh, I believe it's pronounced. This one is hopefully going to be an absolute blast. I'm really looking forward to this one, and uh, nothing but good things. So, uh, until next time, take a look and take a gander at our iTunes pages or wherever you listen to your uh, podcast. Please feel free to give us a review. It really helps out the show. Get in contact with us. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Oh, the horrorcast at gmail.com. That's the email place that you can go and write us little letters and stuff, and we always love to hear from you guys. So, until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. <laughs>